The viewpoints expressed on Night Fright are not necessarily those of the host, the staff, the sponsors, or the affiliate stations. Tonight's program may contain graphic themes or images. Viewer discretion is advised. There is a time There is a time for answers. There is a time to challenge. There is a time to speculate. There is a time for change. There is a time for truth. The time is now. Showtime. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Holland. Man, am I pumped tonight. You know, it's a full moon outside, and uh, there's mist coming right across the ground tonight. This is a perfect night for us, folks. I'm going to tell you why. We're going to the Big Easy, baby. Oh, yeah. That's right. We're going to go right into the heart of New Orleans, where they celebrate the living as much as the dead. What is it anyways? That makes New Orleans a gumbo mix of legends, myths, sautéed with true stories of the strange and unexplained and the downright terrifying. Stick around tonight, folks, because our guest tonight, Bloody Mary, and that's her name, folks, and her new book, Bloody Mary's Guide to Hauntings, Horrors, and Dancing with the Dead. True stories from the voodoo queen of New Orleans. She's going to explain the true tales behind the spirit of... Voodoo Queen, Marie Laveau, Jean Lafitte, he's the gentleman pirate as we all know, and encounters with ghosts of the New Orleans graveyards. We're going to take a serious look at the before and after effects of Hurricane Katrina and what's happened to the spirit community before that and now. This is one of those shows, folks, I'm going to recommend to you not to be missed. So get the coffee going. Get the tea going, get a beverage of your choice going, settle back in that most comfy chair, get the comforter way up, snuggle in, kick your feet back, because we've got one heck of a show for you tonight. Let me just tell you a little bit about our guest tonight, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary runs Bloody Mary's tours and lectures at Loyola and Tulane Universities. She has been featured on Sci-Fi, BBC, CNN, The History Channel, Ghost Adventures, and now Night Fright. She's an 11th generation Creole, New Orleanian, or Creole, depending on how you want to pronounce it. She is hell-bent on preserving the important mystical traditions, very important, and magical customs that are in danger, unfortunately, of becoming extinct in her hometown since Hurricane Katrina. And as I said at the outset... We will indeed be looking at that. I want to welcome you, uh, Mary, to the show for the very first time, and most definitely not the last time. How are you? I am well. How are you? Oh, doing well, thank you. I'm so looking forward to tonight because, you know, New, New Orleans has these legends, these myths all surrounding it, and I want to dive right in there. And um, 
Well, maybe we can start off. Can you tell us uh, the story of Julie, the ghost Julie. of Forbidden Love? Did you even mention that one before? Yes, you can. Julie, I would say, is the first ghost that took a full ride on my back. So I say she's a close friend of mine because of that. You might call her a hitchhiker. But she has been talked about for over a century. The ghost of forbidden love. She was very much in love with the man that she lived with, but because of the laws of the time, they could not wed. She was a woman of color, a free woman of color, and he was white. So there were church laws about such things. So they were in their own relationship, but Which she was approximately in the eighteen early eighteen hundreds, eighteen ten, eighteen fifteen. There's not an exact date on the story. So she wanted very much to marry him in the church, but that was not done. In jest, he said, if you spend the night on the roof, I'll marry you in the morning. There was the rare but true ice storm in New Orleans going on at the time, and she died of the elements in his arms not long after. Then he died of a broken heart not long after that. But it is intertwined with the story of Marie Laveau, the voodoo queen. Yeah, who was yeah. known for her love rituals. So Julie went to her for a love ritual. She wanted this man for eternity, and she much believed in that. Um, so there's a little bit of that inside there. And uh, they still are seen. She's seen walking on the roof and occasionally two shadows in an embrace. Really? But we still have contact with her. She's made sure that I've been friends with everyone that's moved into that apartment for the past 20 years. And so we have dinner parties, we invite her, we bring her out to different things, we have seance, we have ghost hunts, we have girl talk, all the above. She is a ghost of love today because she's kind of like a matchmaker spirit. Well, as we're recording this today, folks, and I want to wish both you, Mary, and also Julie, the happiest of happiest International Women's Day. Oh, there you go, Julie. And Marie. And Marie. Um, and Marie is the little doll just over your left shoulder. Uh, this is one of oh, we have. I have statues. I have a whole shrine downstairs, and there's many in the city itself. But this doll, she has chosen to step in occasionally. Now, for those of you listening on the radio, Mary has a little tiny doll uh, dressed in white with a little hat. Um, I don't know what you call it, a, a hobbit hat, I guess, or holly hobbit? Call it a tignon, technically. You would call it a turban. Okay. And, and the little doll is African-American. And uh, I don't know, two and a half feet tall. Oh, she just got up. Uh, does she have to go somewhere? Or is that why she's walking around there? <laughs> well, I don't see it, but it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. So what's the story behind that doll? Why is she so prominent in, in the photo? And why do you have her near I've got her up close because Marie Laveau is definitely a part of the spirit energy of town. She's in the back with my doll collection. Some of my dolls came with spirits and some of my dolls became houses for spirits. Mm -hmm. And I had a vision of Marie jumping into that one. So it's like they, they take temporary housing. She is a spirit guide of mine, and she manifests in many different ways, Marie Laveau. But once in a while, she chose this doll. And I just brought her up front to fill the space and to bring her presence and her uh, knowledge of New Orleans in on it. So, meet Marie Laveau. Can we, just to bring the folks that are listening right now and watching into New Orleans, can we tell a little bit of the history of the Voodoo Queen? Of the Voodoo Queen? History of Marie Laveau. Uh, Marie Laveau, born and raised in New Orleans, a free woman of color. She was very powerful. She was devout Catholic as well as Voodoo Queen. She was kind of like our Florence Nightingale, but she was an incredible herbalist. She worked on prison reform. She worked on, you know, 
civil rights, you might say, but she worked on people's rights, human rights. She worked in so many different aspects, but she did her own versions of spells, as I kind of mentioned, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, all rolled in one, and she, she had all those bloodlines running through her, European, African, Native American, Indian. And she was very in touch with the spirit of place, the land, the swamp magic, all those things which underneath are still very much a part of New Orleans. We may not look like a swamp anymore, but we are. We are. Is that why spirit is so attracted to New Orleans? Has it got something to do with the water? I think it always does have something to do with the water. We are pretty much water. Underneath everywhere, 80% of New Orleans is underground rivers and streams and bayous and, and issues. So the things that were here at the beginning are still there. They were just pumped under. They didn't go away. So that's kind of like a spirit highway. We're being below sea level, close to where life emerged and began. It's probably part of it. But we also had the highest mortality rate in North America for two centuries. But it's not about the death as much as it's about the life. We're a tourist, tourist city for the living and for the dead. So they keep coming. And we're a port town on the physical plane, and we were a portal on the spiritual, as above, so below. So they keep coming like they used to. It's a groove that's set in here. So they can keep coming and going and coming and going. What was it before it was a port town? Was it a congregational <laughs> swamp? But did uh, Native Americans congregate there for trade or anything along those oh, lines? Yeah, it was Mississippi Indian trade area because of the river, the gulf, the lake, the bayous. Everything was all interconnected. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, where the before it was a technical European port town, it was always the gateway to the Caribbean, one of the first areas to land in from that way. So geographically, people may think of us as a southern city, but reality we should be looked at as a port city and a gateway to the caribbean and a displaced european colony we're only geographically in the south and so we had more of those european latin catholic connections and caribbean connections water people i guess but there's a lot of reasons why the spirits come here same reason why living come here you know what are some of those reasons are they attracted to the great jazz as well yes they are they like the food they like the drink music is the international language all those things, the smells, the aromas of the food, mm. the booze on Bourbon Street, you know, spirits uh, love spirits. We definitely... Uh, we're going to pick this show up in a few hours, then, uh, Mary, because I'm on my way down now to, to party. Okay. <laughs> it's a few hours, you get that quick of a flight, come on down. You know, we don't have, we don't have the last call, so it's okay. You can oh, I up. like that. That sounds like Montreal, where I grew up. Yeah, there's no such thing, really, as a last call, folks, in Montreal. Just... You know, if you know the right places to go. This city is only a few places. In this country, there's only a few places without last call. Without last call. Las Vegas, New Orleans, and right. a few others. Yeah. 24-7. Okay, let's go into some of the uh, the folklore, the myths, the legends, the true stories. How, when you happen upon a story, do you discern between what is mythology and what is truth? Because I found in my own experiences... There's always some kind of truth associated with a myth yes. or a legend. Of course. You know, how, why, why is something a legend? Why yeah. did that person become that way? Exactly what right. What's the power inside that person that generated so many different aspects to be thrown upon them? So much more. It's like, how do you make a hero? It's how you make a legend and how you make a, you know, a myth. But there's always some base of truth in it. And to get to that kernel is important. But it's also important on why that person was chosen to begin with. 
to have the myths and legend go around them. They must have had something super important about their lives then. It wasn't just fiction. You know, the myth is not fiction, and that's where people get confused. So you have the reality, and you have the, you know, the legend, I suppose. Um, I was trying to think if I had something in here um, about Marie Laveau that I could read you, perhaps. Please, that would be wonderful. If I could, if I could find the chapter. But, I mean, I could tell you a lot of things as well. There is the myth about Marie Laveau that grew out of her, her great intense healing. And over the years, in every generation, people have added something to that myth sometimes in a good way and sometimes not, right? So I've got the legacy and the legend, 200 page, page 209, um, which I will tell you some things. Okay, no worries. You know, folks, everybody thinks voodoo and Catholicism, Christianity are at odds with each other. In fact, Christianity, Christianity was one of the base religions uh, that voodoo grew out of. And uh, we're, no. I'd like to touch on that afterwards, too. It's the opposite. Oh, it's the opposite. My apologies. Voodoo is much older, way older than Catholicism. And voodoo, does it emanate? Everybody thinks it emanated in, in Haiti. Does it, no, go all, does it go even further back to Africa? Yeah, Africa. It's an African religion. It's still very much practiced in Africa. And Haiti is just one of the areas that the African dysphoria went to the diaspora you know so you would yeah. have a voodoo that developed there one that developed here one that developed in cuba one that developed in brazil but it was the latin catholic areas that had a different outlook on slavery that let voodoo grow and merge in the area so it didn't grow out of catholicism at all it was way older than that some say the oldest religion that exists it's african mm -hmm. shamanism earth-based, nature-based, ancestral, reverent. But when it went to the New World and many of the people were forcibly Catholicized, they blended some aspects of it, like the use of the saints, praying with the saints right. in certain Catholic prayers. But both had a belief in one God. Both had a belief in intermediary spirits that got your needs met through the help of God. Both had a heavy use of ritual and the most important and forgotten reason on why the Catholic, Latin Catholic areas and voodoo merged together well was that Catholics were never against dancing or music. The Christians or Protestants were not so lenient in the rest of the colonies about the idea of blending voodoo in with their religion. They outlawed drumming, they outlawed dancing, and voodoo's a danced religion, a, a musical religion. That's, they say voodoo is jazz. You know, like it all came That's right. from that. So yeah. you have... Uh, Catholics certainly not being against music or religion, so that was really a music or dancing, so that was really a part of it that let it grow. That let it grow. We had the only place in North America that the Africans could gather together on their day off of Sunday to do open voodoo rituals and music. Is Congo. that right? So does that still happen to this day? No, well, we don't have any slaves anymore. But I didn't mean, no, I know. <laughs> That's not what I meant. But do the but, rituals still take so, place on a weekly yes, basis? We still have some rituals, and we do, some of us do some at Congo Square, but also at the river's edge, at the bayou, in your own home. My own home is my, you can see part of my voodoo altars and things behind. We're surrounded with it here. So there's private um, houses, there's public houses, there's out on the street and at the river's edge rituals. So, yes, they still go on, but not, you know, all only at Congo Square, which it was only there for a while, but for a hundred years or more. Can I, can I take advantage of you right now? Because I've never had this opportunity to speak to a voodoo queen. Um, and, and in all seriousness, with great respect, I don't want to be sacrilegious at all. Can you walk us through what 
aspects of that ceremony are? Because there's a lot of folks out there that their their only only um, introduction to voodoo is through the scary scary movies, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's a nature-based religion. You open the gates through a gatekeeper. Saint Peter is usually referred to as Papa Labar, or Papa Legba, depending on where you are. So you open the gates. You salute the spirits. You salute the ancestors. You salute deity. You address the poor cardinal corners. You feed the ancestors and the spirits, and you dance, and you call them in to come and dance with you. So trans dance possession is actually part of the religion, not like Linda Blair. But, you know, like, and you can dance with the snake or not with the snake. But, you know, the, the spirit will actually, can actually enter the priest, priestess, or practitioner, or guest that's there and speak through them. And that would be part of what your the goal, let's say. Has but it's this just happened to you? Spirits. Mary, has this happened to you? Yeah, you have. If you are a priestess, and if, especially if you are at that level, you have to have uh, contact with the spirit. Yes, of course. Is is this a choice? Or, anyway. Do you reach out to them, or they reach out to you? Both. Oh, so it's a symbiotic relationship, for sure. Yes. Yeah, both, okay. both, yeah. Now, do they have a person? All the spirits came knocking on my door before I ever went looking for them. Since I was a little kid, always. You know, mm. I went out to find out why, how, how come, what's going on. I didn't seek out to, you know... Find them, you know. What's your first recollection of spirit activity? Yeah, probably like three or four years old, and nature spirits and outside, and then like what I thought was angels, which could have been, you know, angels or saints when I was a little girl, and you know, so always, you know, off and on, always. I just kind of thought it was natural. Just natural part of living. Now, were you raised as a Roman Catholic up until three? Yeah. Or, oh, you were. So still. Uh, and still, well, yeah, it's part, right, okay. Um, so you're not at odds, right, with each no. other. This is what I'm trying, I'm trying to educate well, the folks. I'm not saying that the Catholic Church is as uh, agreeing as we are about it. Right. Though lately, the last Pope and this Pope have said that that's a little bit more, you know, acceptable than it was to previous um, Popes mm -hmm. and such like that. But there was a blending here at historic times, you know, that I don't think they looked at it as a threat. It was just what people did. So if they went to church on Sunday and went after and did their native rituals and dances, it was just a cultural part of what they did. So I don't think they looked at it as evil as later movies and love, lovely things like to portray it. Plus, these same people were working in the church. They were working for the horrible plagues that were here as nurses and yellow fever. I don't think you could afford to be as hypocritical as you are today when you were dependent upon the very same people you might put down in times of stress. It's a fake community is what New Orleans was. I mean, devastating death toll here compared to the rest of the city. I mean, it was the rest of the country, excuse me, uh, part of a port town's plight, I suppose, but also so many people coming in and out of here all the time and uh we just yellow fever cholera and a variety of other issues through the 19th century took a huge toll everyone was dependent on everyone else whether they liked them or not whether they treated them or not so you have to have a different perspective when you're in that situation you know it sounds like the area i grew up in montreal called verdun was very uh working class and um, if you were going to paint a room, you wouldn't hire painters. You'd just buy a case of beer and people would come over and help you paint. I'm being a little bit, you know, jovial about that. But, you know, if people were hungry, you'd, you'd share your, your meals with them as well. Um, 
I just want to uh, close up on, on the voodoo priestess um, aspects of things. What does it feel like? Do you lose yourself when the spirit is in you, or is there a? Do you feel the yeah. uh, physical like presence? Of any other medium situation, you know, there's levels of it that could completely come in and take over, and perhaps you won't have memory of the time that they had stepped in, um, or you can kind of sometimes watch from afar, so to speak. Oh, isn't that interesting? You know, so there, there, there's a different ways and different. Everybody will have it happen differently to them. Some people it's through music. Some people it's through smell. Some people it's through sight. You know, a variety of things that have the spirit come and talk. But like any other trance medium or right. you know psychic right. medium, the spirits, the spirit guides of the other people come to or through you to speak to give messages. This is the same thing, except you're actually inviting them to come in and dance. So it's not like coming and take you say come and dance with us. So it's a symbiotic would be a better way to look at it. And then when they leave, you get a spiritual lift. Let's say, you know, you are their mouthpiece and they get to drink the liquor and eat the food while they are you. And you get a spiritual knowledge and you get to give healings to others and do things that maybe you couldn't do before. Right. So most of the time I have partial memory Sometimes I have no memory of the fact, but the same thing when I'm dealing with spirits and doing storytelling, sometimes they'll come and say something through me that I won't remember saying, but someone will tell me. And then the next day I have to find the evidence to show that they were, that I was saying what I was supposed to be saying. And they let, they led me to show a place that verified it. Okay. So they, no, I get it. Yeah. Told. They want their stories told. Do, is it the same spirit over and over again oh. that you know various spirits yeah. whatever whoever feels motivated to yeah I mean, if you're doing us even if you're doing a ritual to honor a particular spirit there may be another one besides that one that comes in as well but when i'm doing a tour or a reading i am sometimes channeling the person's mother or grandmother or best friend mm -hmm. You know, so they'll bring different spirits into the pot, you know, and then then I'll have my regular spirit guides, which will be my mother. Sometimes it'll be Marie Laveau. Sometimes it depends on depends on the situation. That so must be comforting to be able to speak with, with a lost loved one, I'm thinking. Sometimes, yes. I mean, sometimes it's not the one that you want to speak to that comes through, you know, just like, you know, you've got one that's got a bigger mouth than the other. You know, the, you know, like you, you may want to know about your grandmother, but it might be your aunt that's talking because your grandmother might not have that ability. But gotcha. she has knowledge to give you the information anyway. Is, so, I'm thinking of a novice now that might be listening that may want to try this by themselves. Is there an inherent danger for a novice with no training to try this? Anybody that should have training before they do anything. I suspect. I mean, I would think that, you know, it's like anything that you do, one step at a time. People are just so anxious to get right mm. to the goal that they don't learn the proper, they don't do the stretching. And if you don't do the stretching before you go on the run, you're going to get your ass in trouble, right? Right you know? on. That's a great analogy. Thank it's you for that. the same exact thing. The internet makes things so accessible, but it's only partial knowledge. Here they get some, I'm going to go home and do this. No, 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 no. Step back. One step at a time for gradual learning and building and trial and error. You know, don't you can't just jump up and be initiated to the highest priest. You know, you go step by step, and you find yourself a good teacher, not just a, online. You yeah, know, a very, very 
experienced <laughs> person like yourself, I suspect. Or even, you know, there's all kind of fields that have this, but, you know, you, even if you start with just doing meditation, learning how to ground yourself, mm -hmm. learning how to step out of the physical for a while and slow down the mind chatter, there are steps that you take to slowly be able to do that and come back. And they don't all have to be with voodoo priests or psychic mediums. Okay. There are other things that you can do to prepare. Mary, for an experienced priestess like yourself, is there inherent danger that you may allow something in that you don't want in? Are you talking about, like, you know, picking up somebody at a bar? Are you talking about... <laughs> it's the same thing. Uh, do, you, do you worry about picking up the wrong one? Do you worry about bringing them home in your bed? Well, you Let's do. talk about protection then. Do you say her again? You should talk about protection in the bar, or you should talk about it wherever you are. It's all the same thing. I'm making an analogy, right? Right I, on. It's you, wonderful. Thank you, you for that. Should, you should have your protections. Absolutely. You should have. But it, it, as I say, everybody's like, oh, what if there's evil spirits? What if when you go out and you're in a crowded place, let's say there's 500 people there, there's going to be 10% of them that are really up to no good, probably. There might be another 10% that are out and out murderers and thieves. 80% mm. of them are going to be average Joes, and some of them could be pain in the ass, but most of them are not evil. You know what I mean? There's, gotcha. there's laws of averages. Yeah. As above, so below, again, I will state, the physical and the spiritual is very, very close. You, most of the time, and most of us, we hope, have a good idea when somebody's full of crap, when they're coming to you and talking the lines, right? I mean, right. and you have, sometimes you have the feeling that you know, like, oh, this guy's after my wallet, you know? Like, you use those same judgments. Use your spider use senses, yourself. so to speak. You have your own protections that you have up, your own shields that you pull up and put down. Remember to not only put them up, but remember to take them off, too. You don't want shields up constantly to push off the good that might be coming your way. So, number one, fear is your enemy, and it's a four-letter word. Don't go into something with fear or worry about it. Just learn how to ground and bring yourself back, and you always have a choice. You feel some spirit coming in, say, I don't want it, you push it back. I mean, know your power. That's all part of grounding. And, you know, it's just like, say no. Again, back to that whole pick it up at a bar thing. Just say no, you know. Say no, walk away. Or say yes if you're not afraid. You know, but say yes a little bit, one step at a time. One you know, first base, second base, third. The book is called Bloody Mary's Guide to Hauntings, Horrors, and Dancing with the Dead. True stories from the voodoo queen herself of New Orleans. www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on tonight's guest book cover. Take you right to a spot where you can order the book from the comfort of your own home. And promised you a great show. I told you I was pumped. Isn't this amazing? Um, I hope you're getting as much out of it as I am. These are questions I've always wanted to ask. And uh, I now have somebody who's willing to answer them. And uh, what's that old saying? The uh, the teacher will uh, appear when the student is ready. Something along those lines. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's tell some more stories from the book. I'm looking, now, I'm looking to see if there's something good I should read you because I don't, you know. I, well, do you want to tell us about Jean Lafitte, the gentleman Jean pirate? Lafitte, sure. Yeah. Jean Lafitte, patriot pirate. Uh, he was the hero in the Battle of New Orleans here. Yes, he was. Or they, you want to tell that story? Because a lot of the students listening today won't know that story. I remember the old song, so that's how I know the yes, story. Yes, there's a song about it, yes. Uh, well, John Lafitte had his own island out here, out in the Barataria Bay. There's barrier islands all around here. So strategically, he was in a perfect spot. 
He had ammunition, he had know-how, he had tons of pirates and ships at his behalf. And so he was trying to push away the English and was on the side of the Americans. And though there were acts of treason on his head, though he said he was never really a pirate but a privateer, uh, by trading all this knowledge and ammunition and things, uh, the acts of treason were, were dissolved. And he became the Patriot Pirate because they did indeed win. His spirit is still ever-present here, all through Barataria Bay, Galveston, Texas, all around the area. So he still gets around. And he's especially in Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop Bar, which is my favorite bar and kind of my office where I've met my tours for decades. So we have uh, an active pirate privateer, a rogue. He is still very helpful. He's kind of like uh, Robin Hood. Hmm. So he took from the rich and gave to the, you know, gave to the poor back in the day. The people loved him, and the government not so much. But the people loved him, and they still do, and he still will protect those. I believe all spirits have a role that they can help you. They're all ascended masters in one field or another. They can help you, and you can help them. You can help them earn their wings. They can help you in what you need to know in your life. I believe it should be mutual, that we should have no fear. And, but, you know... Be smart in everything you do anyway. I mean, as I said, you just not, not, not be a fool. You don't walk down the street looking like a victim over your shoulder, not expect right, to be right. clubbed on your head, right? right but if you know you, I believe by spirit, the spirits around us are protectors. They have a vested interest in the city that they help build, in the families that are still here. And they recognize those who are trying to protect the city that they help build. So I think Jean Lafitte is an ally of mine, as well as Marie Laveau. It's mm. a protection. I asked Jean to help. And there's been a few times I've, you know, he stepped forward. So he's still around. Okay. Um, and he likes to kill. Oh, he does, does he? Yeah. Any specific kind? No, tell me out there. Agave. Well, there was a shortage of rum on the high seas, they say. So he picked up agave in Mexico and tested it through New Orleans. And so it stuck. So he liked rum before, but there was a shortage at a point. So the story goes. Never mind Captain Morgan's, folks. If you want to drink like a pirate, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Morgan's, too. There you go. Um, Cigar. Do the spirits hang around because they really enjoy the, the space, the place? I think some of them. I think some of them have work to do. I think some of them are on vacation. I think they come back and forth. No one ever said heaven was a jail. Uh, they certainly think hell is easy enough to get out from, so why not heaven? I say you get a day pass, you know, you come back and forth or so. So maybe you're checking on family, maybe you're checking on the buildings you built, maybe you just want a vacation and you're coming to Bourbon Street. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Everybody's, it's always different purposes, but they do recognize people that are kindred kind. They do recognize their bloodline. They do recognize their bloodline and can, you know, even if you don't, they, they can recognize you. Sometimes they mistake you for someone they know in life, and you'll figure that out as well. You know, so there's a lot of reasons that spirits come back. It's not one reason. And I don't believe that most of them are stuck. I believe that they choose to come back to, I don't know, whether to help someone, to help themselves, to continue whatever work they were doing in life, or just to hang and visit. Does voodoo allow for reincarnation? Sure. Yes. So if they wanted to re- if Jean wanted to reincarnate tomorrow, he could if he wanted to. Sure, and he probably already has. You can be oh. both re- reincarnated as well as a ghost. I've met my past life ghosts before and Get helped out. them. 
Yeah, you can. It doesn't. There, there's a lot of belief systems, including voodoo and some ancient, more ancient religions, uh, Asian religions, a few others, that believe there's at least two souls in each of you, a, a soul of personality that develops as you grow, and the higher soul, which is like the God soul. So the other one is the one that might linger around the family and the other area that's still connected to that higher soul. But that higher soul can try to go forth prior to the other one finding itself and integrating it. So you can be both. Now, I notice there's a cross, folks, um, just behind her as well, placed on the wall. And that's part of voodoo as well. Now, do any of the spirits that you encounter, do they ever talk about a Jesus do they talk about Jesus? Yeah. Not per se. No one's for or against Jesus. I no, mean, but I meant the spirit. You know, the spirits on the other side. Have they ever ran into a character by the name of Jesus? That <laughs> uh, they don't. I don't usually talk to them about their religious beliefs or political beliefs. You know, uh, but I can ask next time. I'll let you know. That would be great. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people would 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 want to believe, make their makers say that they're happy. They're with God. You know. They don't necessarily give, you know, details. You know, I'm with Buddha, I'm with God, I'm with Jesus. I, I don't cry. Just are they happy? Are they are they in need of anything? Is there any message that needs to come across? But all of the plateaus on the other side are met by light beings for sure. Angels, whatever is talked about, as opposed to like a man's name or something. Okay. What happened with Hurricane Katrina? What happened with Hurricane Katrina? What didn't happen with Hurricane Katrina? Basically, my short story is most of the spirits evacuated with their families. And upon return, we were a ghost town of a different variety. Okay. We have actually had less spirits, at least the ones that are the, the good side, the protectors, the ones that I was talking about, the architects, the builders of the place. We were stripped. This was a wasteland of energy. However, not exactly, because there were more ghost animals that I've ever seen in my life anywhere that you could shake a stick at. And I did animal rescue of a different type. And they all found their way to my house, and I helped them on their way. I don't think they had the privilege of evacuating as easily with the families. And one reason was the physical plane would not allow them. Couldn't go on the buses, couldn't be evacuated. They wouldn't let them in the hotels. They changed that law shortly after Katrina, but many, many died very quickly. So many. You know, so there were a lot of animal spirits for a while. There were hardly any human spirits. It took two and a half to three years for most of them to make their way back. If you want to look at the spirits that are in your area as guardians of the spirit of place, there's like a personality of, of the city, of the area. Let's say they were ripped off their posts and the doors were left wide open for anybody to come in and pillage. And we were pillaged on the physical plane and on the spiritual plane. And it took many years to balance that out, which was a full-time job of nearly three years of ritual and healing and cleansing and calling and crying and begging and praying, you know. So there was a lot of spiritual work that needed to be done there, a lot of it. And there was a lot of zombies. The whole town was filled with zombies. It would have been a great movie or TV show, just everybody walking around days like they were. Well, what's a it's, zombie? What's a zombie? How do you define a zombie? In that reference, it was just zoned out people on drugs or, or um, antidepressants, you know, just kind of stripped away of their personality. I mean, everywhere that you turned was just another horror story of how you got ripped off. You know, there was no sanctuary. There was no place to go to to be revitalized. 
because if you went to the corner bar or the corner store, if there was a corner store, hmm. you would just hear or run into somebody with another horror story, another horror story. So, you know, you were very depleted of energy, as was the town. So the glassy-eyed, zombie-looking people were almost everyone at the time, you know, so not not the TV zombies or the zombies. No, no, no. Just, you know, more of a walking around, what does the government say we must do today? You know, it was, it was stressed out and, and things. So, yeah, it was very hard on the physical plane to rebuild, on the spiritual plane to rebuild. But, you know, the spirit energy is what I was telling you. And, and you know, we had a lot of people coming here to rip us off. <laughs> You know, this was a squatter's paradise for several years. Out-of-work people everywhere came here to come live in people's second floors and wear their clothes and drink their whiskey. You know, it, you had uh, a lot of problems on many, many different levels. Besides the obvious hurricane levels, problems of rebuilding your house and getting money and claiming your insurance and, you know, all your regular stuff. You had other things going on. On a metaphysical level... Do you think New Orleans, New Orleans, Nouveau Orleans, Orleans, was chosen because of something like that? What do you mean? Well, perhaps because uh, the Creator, the God, God, if you will, wanted to show people how they could rise up from decimation. We've had our lots of uh, no, I don't believe that. I, I believe okay, that then. that has been a recurring issue of New Orleans history. We keep on getting tested. That yeah. is annoying. Um, if that was the reason, you know, but there's all these people on TV. It's like, oh, it must have been because of the evil or because of things in New Orleans. And I said, well, God missed because Bourbon Street was untouched. You know, like it's like because all the surrounding areas, but the French Quarter. Uh, um, of course, that's the old town. Of course, it was built on the highest ground. I mean, there were reasons why certain things were survivable more than others. The fact that New Orleans was 80 percent swamp and 80% of New Orleans flooded to Katrina was a man-made issue. You know, yeah. even though hurricanes are hurricanes, um, you know, what we've done to the coastal areas around here, how man has tried to manipulate and force channel the Mississippi, all these things had to do with, with this as well. You know, not just, not just God looking at us badly <laughs> okay but no, um, we've, been tested. we've had we've had hurricanes here since day one i mean we're a port town on the edge i mean you know and below sea level so yeah we've we've risen out of the ashes on many occasions phoenix is part of our history you know okay fair <laughs> enough when we had talked off air i had mentioned that i was big time into jfk right and you had mentioned you had a little story surrounding that well, not not well. In a way that we we have a haunted pub tour that I do, and the JFK conspiracy is definitely a part of that. Being that you're from New Orleans, even if you didn't, you know, a lot of people haven't seen the movie that it showed how much New Orleans was a part of it. And a lot of people don't realize that Lee Harvey Oswald was from New Orleans, you know, and that and the mafia that is here, mm -hmm. the Marcello name at the time was the Kingfish. He was the big the big name in all of the mob, let's say, in this country. And there was a little war between him and Kennedy's there, you know, and that was the background of what was going on here. Lee Harvey Oswald, by the way, spirit is still known to have popped up here and there around town and still says he's innocent. So the ghost of that is still shadowing over New Orleans, as well as they say the mumblings of planning the 
uh, assassination of Kennedy is at this other bar in New Orleans and all these kind of things. So there's still talk about the talk and the spirit energy. I think the very first phone call that Lee Harvey Oswald made at, from jail was to New Orleans to a Marcello-owned club on Bourbon Street. And that club is still haunted. <laughs> wow. I don't know if it's him or if it's just by regular people because it's a strip club, but, you know. Uh, the, uh, so, yes, there's definitely that energy and the buzz still about all in New Orleans. The Kennedy conspiracy got revisited a few years ago with, for the anniversary. But, 50th anniversary, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Assassination. Yeah. So, you know, people talked about it a lot then again, and then it quietened. A lot of people think the people that killed him are from New Orleans, so yeah, not well, Hulkie, but you know there was Clay Shaw, there was a few other names here David that were Perry, sure, yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of shows on that, and uh, I think there's some truth behind Marcello. Marcello. Well, so, I mean, he, he yeah. was kind of taken and dumped in the middle of the desert, so to speak. <laughs> so he wasn't too happy, but we don't know. He killed him. Marcello was my landlord, and a good uh, the Marcello family is still very much here, and. Uh, friends and you know of course they won't tell me anything extra but uh, one of the I think his grandson works at Lafitte's blacksmith shop bar and is quoted in my book about the ghost so you know like they're all still living and around you and talking about it and you know they didn't tell their own grandkids though so <laughs> keep us posted um, your Creole do you descend from the Latin line or the, or the French line Actually, it's the French line, but actually that really isn't what the word necessarily means. I mean, it really means native born. It means born in the new world of European descent. So you have to realize some of our earliest immigrants here were German. They were Gypsy. They were French. They were Spanish. You know, they were Spain bought us in a trade or got us in a trade, but they didn't sell a lot of people from Spain here. We still spoke French and this and that, but we've always been a port town. So people came from all over, especially if they were Catholic. I was trying to try in a... Uh, Alsace-Lorraine is where the area that my family came from, um, kind of where Joan of Arc came from. Okay. That, I, I, I was trying to shoot for a Canadian connection here with the Canadians no, and Cajuns. I thought, that would be later. That's not Creole. That, that's later in history. Mine came earlier. Okay. 1718 was the founding. Only after the split of the Canadians that the... Jesuits and everybody was kicked yeah. out of Canada. They, I hear they went back to France first, and then some came here. And that would have been the that would have been the Cajuns from the Acadia area. Exactly. Right. Went to yeah. So those were more of your farmers, hunters, trappers kind of thing. So the easy explanation for New Orleans to really understand Cajun and Creole, growing up here, city country. Okay. City folk, country folk. The book is called Bloody Mary's Guide to Hauntings, Horrors, and Dancing with the Dead. True stories from the voodoo queen herself of New Orleans, Bloody Mary. And she's been our guest tonight, folks. Can you leave us with the scariest of scariest stories? Oh, goodness. The scary, that, that, that's hard to do. I don't have a scare. I don't get scared. Personal uh, experience? I don't get that scared. I, there's some horrible things that I've written in there. Uh, oh, God, I don't know if I have anything that's what I consider. Could be real life. It is real life. It is all real life. Um, Good answer. I don't know what to say. One, though, there was... Uh, oh, I hate that question, too, because there's, like, so much. It's a whole book worth... Um, see, I have a, you know, more funny or different or alarming... Funniest. Story. Funniest story. 
crazy stories. Oh, I got some really. Oh, I tell you what, I work with the spirits, and at one night I was in the graveyard, and I sent I send people out, and I tell them to try to connect with the spirits, to go with their eyes closed practically, and to feel and be pulled to a tomb, and maybe it'll tell you something. And hundreds of times people come back with their family, their birth date on the tomb, or born in Canada, and they're from Canada. Well, one time the guy came back and says, "Wow, I came back, and my wife's maiden name was on the tomb." And I said, oh, cool. And it wasn't Smith or Jones. It was weird. And he looks around and he gets in and he goes, not on this trip with my wife. <laughs> my girlfriend. I said, Dude, I think that's what we call a song. And from the spirit. You better There's the music, folks. We're going to have to go. Thank you so much, Mary. Take care. I'm Brent Holland from Night Fright. Inside the Oval Office to Davy Plaza. First person witness accounts. Order yours right now. Nightfrightshow.com.